We're in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. If you're there, say amen. amen. I'm excited to study this passage of Scripture, obviously taking uh, just a one-week break here from um, uh, our study in the Gospel of Matthew, which we'll get back to next week. Uh, but this is Groundbreaking Sunday uh, uh, for our new church building at Lighthouse. And on this day, we are going to take a great faith step forward as a church. Truth be told, we've already began to, began to make this, take this step forward, but today it feels a little bit more official. Um, ground's going to start moving. Uh, parts for this building are going to start arriving. And uh, throughout this spring and summer, you will begin to see a building starting to go up, uh, all to the glory of God. And I uh, couldn't be more thrilled to see what the Lord is going to do through all of this, this great endeavor. And uh, this shovel, I forgot to mention this earlier, this is the gold shovel for the groundbreaking today. And we're going to have lots of fun with that. Uh, but I will say the true gold shovel that's really going to break the ground today um, is our new backhoe that we've got over at the new property. <laughs> and uh, we'll have to put that to use today as well. Um, but boy, I'm excited to see what God has in store for us. But I'll be honest, throughout this whole process, there's a nagging question that has infiltrated my mind often in my weak moments. You know what that question is? How in the world are we going to do this? <laughs> the same question I'm sure that many of you uh, have thought as well as we've thought about this great endeavor. Humanly speaking, this task feels impossible. We're just a small rural church in a really, relatively speaking, poor county uh, in, a, in the middle of nowhere, Colorado. By the way, I'd rather be nowhere else in the world. Amen? <laughs> But humanly speaking, it doesn't seem like the odds are, are very good for us. And the pressure's on to see this project accomplished. It's a self-imposed pressure, but it's there. And yet, in the midst of all these thoughts, God reminded me of something recently that's so important, I believe, for all of us to understand. What He reminded me is that the church is not a physical building. It is a spiritual building. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and a verse number 9. At the end of verse number 9, the Bible tells us, Ye are God's building. Will you say that out loud with me? Ye are God's building. God has not called us to build physical buildings. You say, Pastor, this is groundbreaking Sunday. We're getting ready to start building a physical building. I know what I'm saying. God has not called us to build physical buildings primarily. He has called us to be built up as His spiritual building. And that's what the Bible teaches us. A new brick is laid every time a soul is saved. This past week, there were three new bricks laid. Three people trusted Christ as their Savior. Praise God. Every wall is strengthened. Every time a believer grows in their faith in Jesus Christ. But the concept that the Bible communicates to us is God is not building physical buildings. God is building a spiritual building. You are God's building. And as we think about this truth today, there's so much about this that relates to this step that we're taking forward as a church on this day. I believe it's so important as we begin to build buildings that we remember that our mission is still the same church. Our mission 
is to make mature and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ. Can you say that with me? Our mission is to make mature and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ. The physical building project is simply the result of the spiritual growth that God has been producing and doing in our church. And I was talking to one of my mentors recently about this endeavor and I kind of expressed some of my apprehensions and doubts just being honest with him. And he reminded me of something that I needed to hear and I'm going to tell you what he told me. He told me, Bruce, if you all just keep on winning souls and helping believers grow in their faith, if you focus on that, that building will build itself. And I believe that. I believe that because God is God is building a people. And as he grows us, he's going to use us to accomplish whatever his vision is for us. I had another person remind me, you think that 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 this project is the sum total of all God wants to do. You are poorly mistaken. God has things exceeding abundantly above beyond what you could ever ask or think and store for us as his body. And I believe all of these things. And yet we wrestle with these thoughts still, don't we? Yeah. As we think about the fact that we as individuals, as believers in Christ, are God's building. The ones that God is building. That brings us to our text in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. And I want to read several verses to give us context. Starting in verse number 1 of chapter 3. The Bible says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, fleshly, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? By the way, whenever there is division in the church, whenever you have petty squabbles with each other, that does not come from God. Only by pride comes contention. Your pride will be the ruin of you. There's no place for pride in the church. Verse 4. For a while one says, I am of Paul, and I am of... One says, I am of Paul, and, uh, and, and another says, I am of Apollos. Are you not yet carnal? For who then is Paul? And who is Apollos but ministers by whom you believed? Even as the Lord gave to every man. Who, who are these people? Who cares about who's doing the work? Ultimately, it's God that does it. That's what he's saying in verse number six. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. The church at Corinth was a local church in the city of Corinth. And it was being devastated by the division and many other issues that were taking place among it. As we have just read about, a party spirit had developed in this church with, with each group uh, pursuing their own agendas and saying, well, I'm of, I want to do what Paul said we should do. I want to do what Peter says we should do. I want to do what Apollos says we should do. And this party spirit had developed in the church. 
In the midst of these things that were taking place, in this passage of Scripture, God reveals to us how the church is to function not as an organization with everyone pursuing his own separate interests, but the church is to function as an organism, as a unified body functioning together for one purpose, and the one who gives us that single purpose is not the pastor, not the people, but it is God. God is the one who gives us our unifying purpose as a church. We do not want to be a church built by men. We want to be a church built by Jesus. If we are going to be able to do so, we need to understand what the church is and how the church works. Only then will this be able to take place as we set forward with with this groundbreaking Sunday. So I want us to notice from this passage of Scripture... Three essential truths that we each must understand about the church in order to become a church that continues to be built by Jesus. And as we prepare to study these truths together, why don't we bow our heads and and pray and ask God to speak to our hearts in a special way. Our Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word. And now, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and, and our minds to discern And to allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us. And I pray that you challenge us, Lord, as we take this faith step forward to keep in mind what the church is. And the fact that you're not interested merely in building a building. But you're interested in building this body. And increasing our capacity to reach more people with the gospel. And I pray, Lord, we'd not forget it. But that this mission you've given us would be made clear in our minds today. And if in any way we've gotten off on our own agenda gotten off on our own, uh, our, our own schedule, I pray that today you would reveal that to us and Lord, help us to get on board with what you're doing and allowing you to do your work more importantly in us and through us as your body. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, the first truth you need to understand if you want to write this down is that God builds the church. God builds the church. Verse number six The Bible says this, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So that neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now in these verses, uh, the example of a farmer's field is used to help us understand how the church is supposed to work. Most of us can picture things better when an illustration is used. And Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uses the illustration of a farmer and his field in the verses that we're studying right here. Verse 9 makes this very clear to us when it says that we are God's husbandry. Uh, now that word husbandry is a Greek, uh, comes from a Greek word that, that literally speaks of a cultivated field. We, as the church, are God's field. A field that he is cultivating. God is the husbandman. We are the harvest. God is the farmer. uh, And we are the fruit of his harvest. God is the gardener. And we're the goods that are produced from his garden. The idea is that God cultivates us as the church. Now, uh, in the verses that we just read, the Bible makes clear that, that God does employ Or use his servants to plant and water in his fields. But ultimately, it is God alone who brings forth the fruit that comes in his field. God is the one who does the work. As verse number 6 tells us, God gave the increase. 
He gave the increase. Now this phrase, gave the increase, is translated from the Greek word oxano, which literally means to cause to grow. The only reason a church grows is if God causes it to grow. You understand that? God is the source of all true spiritual growth in the church. And so the growth that God produces is not merely evidenced by a congregation being built. But it is evidenced by individual lives being built within a congregation. Anybody can build a crowd. The NBA playoffs are taking place right now. There will be stadiums filled with nearly 20,000 people to watch a basketball game. Now, I love basketball. Okay. Anybody with me? Amen. I don't mind basketball. I'm not downing basketball. I'm saying it's easy to build a crowd. The church, in the church, we're not interested in building a crowd. We're interested in building the people who are in the crowd, however big it is. God gives the increase. And uh, uh, we are not after uh, uh, building bigger buildings so we can keep having bigger and bigger crowds if the people that are in the building are not growing and are not being developed. If the, if the, church, if the people are not growing, the church is not growing, no matter how, much, how big the size of the crowd becomes. You understand that? God is the one who builds his church, and the way he builds his church is by building people within the church. This past week, I, was, uh, I enjoyed sitting down to a conversation with uh, Jared Gash, Jared, over here. And uh, we were just talking about some things, and he was sharing with me how God blessed him with the opportunity recently to lead his coworker to trust Jesus Christ as his Savior. Praise the Lord for that. And I enjoyed him sharing about uh, how it all took place and I uh, enjoy hearing testimony of people coming to trust Christ as their Savior. But as he was talking to me, I just couldn't help but smile because I was thinking just a couple years ago, Jared himself trusted Christ as his Savior. And now he's grown. And now he's reaching others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, that is what true growth in the church looks like. You say, oh, the, the, the crowd's building at church. And listen, I'm glad you all are here. I'm okay with the crowd growing. I'm not against it. But listen, a crowd growing does not tell us a church is growing. But when people within that crowd are growing in their faith, that's when you know the church is growing. It grows as people get saved and people who are saved grow in their faith and, and, and become more fervent in their service for the Lord. The church is not a building. It is a people. Look at verse number 16 of chapter 3. Verse 16, the Bible says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now sometimes I've had people say, Well, I just like coming into, coming into the church and you can just really feel the presence of God in here. And understand what they mean. We come together as a body of Christ and we worship the Lord here. But you know what? This isn't the only place you can come to feel the presence of God. If you're a believer, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. And God is not interested in doing anything with this building unless this building is being used to help you, the true building of Christ, to grow in your faith. And so it's important we understand that God does not build buildings. He builds believers. God does not build ministries. He builds ministers. That's what God is after. 
He's about people. And as God's church, we, we must never get to a place where we focus more on building a larger congregation or building bigger ministries to the neglect of building the people within the congregation and building the people within the ministries. If the congregation grows, but the people within the congregation do not grow, then what is being built is not a church, it is a congregation. We do not want to be a mere organization that gathers and gives face to worshiping Jesus. We want to be an organism of the body of Christ that is truly growing and thriving and being established because of our common faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. So true growth in the church can only come from God, not from men. We can't fabricate this. This is something only God can do. Now sometimes I've had people tell me, well, Pastor, you're building a really great church here. And it hurts me every time I hear it. It grieves me. It really does grieve me. Because if what is being built here is because of the personality of some person, or the ability to speak, or whatever, then it is futile, and it is vain, and it will eventually fail. But if what is happening here at this church, if what is taking place in this church is something that God is doing, it cannot fail. It will thrive. And that distinction is something we need to understand. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 38, there was a man who was an opponent of Christianity who spoke these words. He said, if this counsel or this work be of men, it will, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found even to fight against God. Listen, if God is doing this, nobody can stop it. If we are doing this, anybody can stop it. We want to be a church that God is building, not that men are building. And so my question for you this morning, church, is are you part of a growing church or are you growing as a part of the church? That's the question that we really need to answer. Uh, because it doesn't matter if the church is growing. If you aren't growing, you're not part of a growing church because you're not growing. It needs to start with you and your relationship with the Lord. God is not interested in using you to help build the building near as much as He is interested in helping you grow as a part of what He is building. And that is the church. Now look down at Ephesians 2 and verse number 20 in your notes. Ephesians 2 and verse 20. The Bible says, And you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's the Scriptures. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone and whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord and whom also you are builded together for an habitation of God through the spirit. Boy, we are being builded together as a body, as a habitation of God through the spirit. God's spirit is ever designed to work in your life to help you grow in your faith, believer. And boy, the first thing we need to understand, even as we, we take this great undertaking today, is if we build a building, but we don't continue to grow in our faith as believers, it's all in vain. It's all in vain. I learned a long time ago, if I'm not walking with God, if I'm not getting something from God on a daily basis, I don't have anything to give to minister to anybody else. You can't pull from an empty bucket. You're going to have to start learning to let God minister to your life on a daily basis, lest you, be, you come to a place where Paul says, hey, I don't, want to, I don't want to be busy about ministry and eventually become a castaway myself. And that can happen for any of us. And so building the church all has, has everything to do with God building us 
as a people within the church. So are you growing in your faith? Are you letting God grow you as a part of his building, as a part of his church? That's where all of this needs to begin. So the first truth we need to understand is that God builds the church. The second truth we need to understand is that God builds the church through the church. God builds the church through the church. Look at verse number 8. You're still with me. Say amen. 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 Uh, the, the potluck's waiting for us, okay? I can smell the fumes coming over. We're getting there, okay? The, but let's move along here. Verse number 8. The Bible says, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are what? One. one. We're one. And the Bible says, Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together. Read the next two words with me. With God. Labors together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Now in his infinite wisdom, what we discover here is that God designed the church to function in such a way that it builds itself through the grace of God. I'll say it again. God designed the church to function in such a way that it builds itself through the grace of God. In other words, God builds the people that he then uses to build the church up. Look at your look in your notes in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. The Bible says that from Christ the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part makes increase of the body. In other words, the church grows unto the edifying of what? Itself in love. See, God grows the people that are in the church and then uses the people that are in the church to edify itself. In other words, to build itself up. As we grow as individuals in our faith, God then desires to use us to build each other up in our faith. That's how God has designed the church to work. Every believer is placed in the church with particular gifts and, and, and are able to uniquely contribute to the rest of the body being built up. Now, to stay true with our text, some of us are planters. We're great with getting out and sharing our faith and inviting other people in. Other of us, our role may be more like watering ministering around the ministry here and, 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 and keeping house, so to speak. By the way, I think all of us should be involved in both. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But some of us are planters and some of us are waterers when it comes to how we're used in the church. But all of us have a gift God has given us to use to build each other up as the body of Christ. Now look down at your notes at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't have notes, you might just flip a couple pages over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse number four is what the Bible says. Now there are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. In other words, different, different, different one of us have different roles in the church, but God's the one who's ultimately over all of us. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which works all in all. And down to verse 11 it says, But all these works the one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. God's Spirit gifts different people in different ways to use them as a part of His corporate body to accomplish the mission that He has given for us. Alright? So let me have a couple of you stand up and help me out. Brother Payne, will you stand up for me? Let's see. I already picked on him once. I'm going to do it again. Brother Dale, will you stand up for me? 
Um, he just had hip surgery, but I'm giving him a hard time anyways. All right, Brother Travis, Shepard, will you stand up for me? All right, I just want you to think about something with me, okay? God, God creates different people in different ways. Brother Payne is a man, he's very good at mentoring. He's very good at using his hands. Uh, he's very good at relationships. And those are some of the gifts that God has given to him. Brother Dale, he's, he's, he's very good with construction, obviously. Very good with leadership and administration and, and just getting things done. He's also good uh, with, with heavy equipment and things along that line. And Brother Travis. Uh, he's, he's, he's a good uh, leader. He, 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 he works over at John Deere as well. And, and he's good with administration. He's good with uh, uh, getting things organized and putting people together. He's got a lot of practical wisdom. All these guys are different. None of these guys are the same. They don't all have the same gifting. But that's exactly the point. See, God called Harold Payne and Dale Murphy and Travis Shepard to be a part of Lighthouse Baptist Church because all of them have something unique to contribute to the body. They're not in competition against each other. They're on the same team. We're all after the same thing, but we all have been given different gifts from God to be able to contribute to the mission God has given us in our own unique way. You men can be seated. Thank you for standing. Let me pick, up, pick on you there for just a minute. The point is, as verse number 8 puts it, we are one. Okay? We are one as the body of Christ. This is not a competition. We're on the same team. We're all working together for the same goal. We all share the same mission. Now what that does not mean is that every one of us put forth the same effort. Alright? You, have you ever been on the team? You understand there's some guys that try and there's some guys that don't. And that's why the Bible says every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Yes, we have the same goal that we're working for, but we're, all, we're not all striving for it with the same effort and with the same energy. And that's why the Bible tells us that there will be different levels of rewards depending on, on how you choose to live your Christian life for the Lord. But the, the point is we all have the same mission. We all are a part of this church striving to be a church built by Jesus. Some of you can serve more. Some of you are at a phase of life where you're serving less. Some of you can give more. And some of you can give less. But all of us are told to use our God-given gifts for the same cause. And that is the cause that Jesus Christ, our Savior, has given to us. And the idea... Is as God builds each one of our lives as believers, He then wants to use our lives as believers to build up other people in this community and in this church family. And that's how the church is supposed to work. God builds the church through what? The church. He builds the church through the church. And so understand, we can't build the church on our own. It's only possible with God. Verse, verse number 8, if you look back at verse number 8, I'm sorry, verse number, uh, verse number 9, it says, For we are laborers together, and what's the next two words? With God. With God. Listen, the only person who is indispensable for the growth of the church is God. You say, well, it's all going to fall apart if so-and-so is not here anymore. Wrong. And if it is that way, then it's not a true church that's being, being built. The only one that's indispensable for the church to grow is God. And the, and the Bible tells us this in so many places. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Jesus did not say in Matthew chapter number 16, you will build my church. What did he say? 
I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not uh, prevail against it. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. God is the only one who is indispensable to the growth of the church. And it's important that we understand that your ministry is always in transition. Sometimes we like to get a hold of something that we have in the church and think, well, uh, this is mine. Nobody else can have it. You're going to be gone one day unless the Lord returns. You don't understand your, job, your responsibility as a believer is to work yourself out of a job. To equip other people to be able to do the work that God has called you to do. To get them ready. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit that of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so it's our job, church, to not only grow ourselves by the grace of God, but to be used of God to help one another grow and to reach other people and help them grow in their faith as well. And so note this down. and Don't miss this statement. The church will never grow beyond its ability to build up itself. The church will never grow beyond its ability to build up itself. I've used this illustration before this year. But imagine if I take some blocks. I've got kids, and so I think on kid level with my illustrations, okay? Imagine if I take some blocks, some stacking blocks that kids, that kids would use. If I take some blocks and begin to stack them vertically, I'm only going to ever be able to go so high before what begins to happen. Well, leaning tower of pizza, or pizza, it's going to fall over again. Pizza, pizza. My mind's on food right now, forget me. If I stack them up vertically, I'm only going to be able to go so high. What do I need to do to be able to go higher? Well, I need to go, I'm able to go higher vertically, I need to go wider, horizontally. And the only way that we can grow to the height that God really desires for us to grow as the church is not if we just keep stacking people together. That's not going to be enough. In proportion to how we're growing this way, we need to also be growing in our depth as believers. That's why it's so important that you continue to grow in your faith because if you do not, then we are building a structure that's very unstable and will eventually topple over. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, Paul gives a... Very forward admonition here. He says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and to become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. And then he gives this challenge in the beginning of chapter 6. He says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. In other words, leave them alone. Don't think you've got to keep going back and relearning them over and over again. Just believe them. Leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ let us go on unto perfection. And church, the challenge that is given to us, if we want to be a church truly built by Jesus, is to go on to maturity. It's time for some of you to grow up in your faith spiritually. You've been coming Sunday morning services for so long, drinking milk for so long, it's time for you to learn how to read the Bible for yourself. It's time for, time for you to learn how to study the Bible for yourself. And not only that, it's time for you to learn how to be able to take someone else through the Bible and teach them the Word of God. Amen. Some of you say, oh, I'm not gifted that way. I can never do that. God has called every believer to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
And it's all of our responsibility to grow in our faith in church. If we cease to grow as the building of Christ, this building we're putting up will be of no use. We've got to keep growing. And there's some truths we need to understand if it's going to happen. The first one is that God builds the church. The second one is that God builds the church through the church. And the final one I want you to see this morning is that God builds the church by a predetermined pattern. He builds the church by a predetermined pattern. Now at the end of verse 9, the analogy Paul is using shifts from a field to an actual building. Verse 9 makes that clear at the end of the verse where it says that we as the church are God's building. The word building is the Greek word orkidome. that literally speaks of something that is built. The idea is that God is the builder, we are the building. God is the creator and we are his construction or his creation. God is the one who constructs the church. And so with this illustration in mind, let's look at verse 10. Verse 10 tells us, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. Those words literally mean a skilled architect. I have laid the foundation and another builds thereon. Who's talking about how as a skilled architect, God had used him using the blueprints that God had given him by grace. God had used Paul to set the foundation of faith in place for these believers in Corinth. Earlier in verse 6, he had had put it a different way. He said, I have planted, Apollos watered. But But now he uses it this way. And he says, I have laid the foundation and another builds thereon. The point is, God, according to the scripture, had used Paul to lay the foundation of faith in the hearts of these believers. And uh, that's an important thing for us to understand. Later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15, Paul said, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. And by the way, can I say this? God still uses believers to lay the foundation of faith in the heart of other believers. Who was it that led you to Christ? They're a spiritual father or a spiritual mother to you. Boy, that's a precious thing to be able to share with someone else. I'm blessed that my physical father was also a spiritual father for me. He's the one that led me to trust Christ as my Savior. I wonder who it is for you. That's what Paul is alluding to here. And so uh, he goes on to say, I'm I'm the one who... Who laid the foundation of faith in your heart. But now, like Apollos, others were beginning to build upon the foundation of faith that had been laid. And let me just say this. God never intended for the Christian life to end the moment you got saved. One person put it this way. He says, salvation is a miraculous moment. Spiritual growth is the process of a lifetime. We don't get saved and then sit on our blessed assurance and just say, okay, Jesus, I'm ready whenever you want to take me home and live however we want. No, the moment we get saved, our journey doesn't end there. It begins there. We get a process of growing and learning more of the scripture and growing more in our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Here's the thing. The foundation being laid, there are many different ways you can build up upon that foundation. 
And there are many influences that build on the foundation of your faith. Some influences are positive influences. And I'm sure many of you have a Sunday school teacher or perhaps a parent or a pastor or a spiritual friend who you can look back on and say, they really helped me grow in my faith. They really helped build on my faith. But there are also possibilities of negative influences. Friends, co-workers, influences that tend to tear down your faith. That tend to tear down the things that are supposed to be being built up on your faith. And so we need to be careful about this matter. And that's why I want you to look at the end of verse 10. The end of verse 10, Paul gives us a caution as to how we build on the church. He says, and let's read the last phrase of verse 10 out loud together. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Every man take heed. That phrase, take heed, is the Greek word blepo. And it means to carefully weigh or to examine. The idea is you need to carefully consider how you are building your life and how you are striving to build the lives of others as well. It takes some careful consideration, some careful examination, because there is a right way to build and there is a wrong way to build. I've lived in Montezuma County long enough to know there is a right way to build and there is a wrong way to build. And some people have just taken the wrong way. Um, and uh, I'll say more on that in, in just a minute. But it is each of our responsibility to build up and be built up as the church, not the way we think it should be built, but God's way. By the way, God has given us a blueprint. I want to show it to you real quick before we're done. Now, there, are, there are several aspects to this blueprint that I want you to note down. The first aspect is you need to have the right support. You need to have the right support structure. Look at verse number 11. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. Verse 11, the Bible says, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is what? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. The church is founded on faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And you mark it down. Jesus is the one who finished the work that was necessary to establish the church. When he hung on the cross, he cried out, It is finished! And when he said it was finished, he was talking about everything that was necessary uh, in order for his church to be saved and established. It had been completed. That's why he said it on the cross. And that's why Acts chapter 20 and verse number 28 tells us that Jesus purchased the church of God with his own blood. Jesus has bought the exclusive rights to his church. He bought and paid for it with his own shed blood. And so as believers in Christ, we understand that faith in Jesus is all that is necessary to become a part of the church. That's it. All right? Faith in Jesus is all that's necessary to become a part of the church. And the chief cornerstone of the church, uh, uh, the church is faith in Jesus Christ. By the way, any religion or system of thought built on any other foundation will crumble and fall. We sang the song as kids. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And boy, it stood. But the foolish man built his house on the shifting sands of this world. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. We sing it as a church all the time. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. The foundation of the church is faith in Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this? If you've not come to faith in Jesus Christ, 
You may be in the church and say, yeah, I'm a part of this church. But spiritually speaking, you are not. If you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that is where your journey begins. And if you've never truly received Christ as your Savior from your sin, you are not saved and you are not a part of the church. The good news is you can be. And I hope that you'll make that decision today if you never have. And so we see God's blueprint, His predetermined pattern for the church. It involves the right support structure. But then I want you to see it also involves the right supplies. The right supplies. Look at verse number 12. The Bible says, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. Here's what's indicated here. As we seek to build our lives on the foundation of our faith in Jesus, we can choose to do so in many different ways. And the varying degrees of these materials that are mentioned here indicate to us a varying level of quality to how we are building, to, to how we are building our lives. And the point is, everything you do with what God has given you has some sort of value. Some of the things that you do with your life have eternal value. Those are the things that are referred to as gold and silver and precious stones. I believe these types of things would include investing in your family, serving as a part of a local church, winning souls to Jesus Christ. Those things will matter when this world is gone. Right? You can also build on the foundation of your faith in Christ using things that are of temporal value. Wood, hay, and stubble. Things that are eventually going to fade and be done away with. I believe these things can include so many things, and I don't even want to take the time to park on it. But so much of our lives we allow to be consumed with things that won't amount to a hill of beans in eternity. Let's be honest. The idea is that there's varying quality to what you can choose to use your life doing. And so the challenge here is to use the right supplies. In building up God's church. And we don't want to be a church body that's being built, uh, built of things that won't matter in eternity. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 2. Set your affections on things above and not on things below. For you are dead and your life is hid with, with God in Christ. The Bible, the Bible challenges us, set your affections on things above. Stop getting so caught up with the things of this world, these things that won't matter for eternity. Live for the things of God. That's how to build properly on the foundation of your faith in Christ. And so God's predetermined pattern for the church is that we'd have the right support, the right foundation, that we'd have the right supplies, gold, silver, and precious stone, and that we would build, finally, according to the right standard. According to the right standard. Now, whenever you go through a building process, as I have found out, you're expected to meet certain standards of building. And uh, generally, uh, generally, a community will have some kind of code that you're supposed to arrive at so that things will at least be safe um, for the people who are occupying that building. By the way, we think it's bad here. You think it's bad here, go to Africa, okay? That's next level, okay? Uh, but anyways, usually there's a person appointed by the government to go around and approve um, buildings that are being planned to be built. And that person is generally a, a fire marshal or someone along those lines. And, and the fire marshal is the one given authority by the government to be able to say, 
that is up to code or that is not up to code. That is up to the standard or that is not up to the standard. Now listen to me. Who is the one who gets to determine the standard to which you should live your life? God or Jesus. Absolutely. I want you to look at it. Verse 13. The Bible says here, verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. A very Vivid illustration given to us here. God is the one who will reveal the true value of your life. See, the Bible talks about the day in verse 13. The day shall declare. You know what that day is? For us as believers, it's a day where we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, as believers, praise God, we will not be condemned of sin on that day because we've been forgiven of all. But what, we, what will take place on that day is it will not be a day of uh, condemnation. It will be a day of commendation where we are rewarded for how we chose to use the life God has given us for his purposes. And a refiner's fire is used to illustrate the coming judgment of God upon us as the church. What does fire do? Well, for certain materials, fire purifies. You stick gold or silver or a precious stone in the fire, and it, 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 it won't uh, dissolve that substance. But what it will do is refine that substance. And so what will be left is only the thing that was of true value. And when it comes to our lives, when we choose to live for eternal things, we stand, stand before the Lord one day, we'll find that those eternal efforts yield eternal rewards. You say, well, why should I live for a reward? I don't care if I get a reward or not. The reward really isn't for you. But the Bible says that we will literally take the reward that God gives us and offer it up as a thanksgiving offering to our Savior, Jesus Christ. I did this for you, Lord. And I don't know about you, but I want to have something to present before my Lord as a thank you for what he's done for me. If what you are, what you are living your life for right now is temporal... Wood, hay, stubble, what does fire do to those things? Burns it up. It's gone. It'll be a sad day to stand before the Lord. You have the foundation still. You believed in Christ. Praise God, that's what makes you, that makes you able to stand at that judgment seat and not be condemned for your sin for all of eternity. But what a sad thing it would be to stand before the Lord one day and have nothing to show for the great sacrifice that He made for you the great opportunity he gave to you to live your life for him and his kingdom and have nothing to show for him. And that's the, that's the idea that is pictured for us here. You mark it down. The Bible says that the value of your life shall be revealed by the fire of God's judgment. That phrase shall be revealed is translated from the Greek word apocalypto. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? It literally speaks of uncovering something or laying something open that has been veiled or concealed. You mark it down, my friend. One day, one day, the true value of your life will be revealed. 
And if you've chosen to live your life for the cause of Christ and for things that matter for eternity, I'm not saying you live it perfectly. We all make mistakes and we all have, uh, have struggles that we have through our life. But if you live your life striving to live for things that will matter for eternity on that day, you'll have something to show for the life you strive to live for the Lord. You continue to squander it. To pursue your own selfish ambitions. To the disacknowledgement of the cause of Jesus Christ. That will be a day where you'll still be saved if you've trusted Christ as your Savior. Yet the Bible says, so as by fire. And this is why Jesus told us in Matthew 6 and verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust doth corrupt. And where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. No wonder, believer, where's your heart at today? As for me, as I have, began, as I have continued to walk with the Lord, the older I get, the more this becomes real for me. I want to use however much time I have left living for things that will matter for eternity. A little bit less of me, a little bit more of Jesus. Isn't that what Brother Ethan sang about a little bit ago? And that should be our anthem as the church. And so I told you at the beginning, God has not called us to build a physical building primarily. He has called us to be built up as His spiritual building. You are that building. Are you growing in your faith? As you're growing in your faith, are you being used of God to help others grow in their faith? These are questions that we need to answer because one day we will give an account for how we use or how we choose to build on the foundation of faith that we have in Jesus Christ our Savior. And boy, I want to be living in such a way that I'm looking forward to that day, not dreading that day. Let's bow.